Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. friends welcome back to the battery power podcast network i am brad roland not the usual host of the podcast to be named later but i am filling in pinch hitting so to speak for chris willis on this week's episode and i am joined by stephen tolbert stephen how are you on this wednesday evening bradley what's going on my man it's always good to talk to you we appreciate you jumping in we're in a weird stretch where you know they went out west and they played like gangbuster i mean they just eight and two took three out of four from the dodgers they were just riding high come home finally get a day off you know you come and play a last place cardinals team and and then bang you know you just get smacked in the face two games in a row and that's baseball that's the beauty of it that's the what drives you crazy you know being a baseball fan is a certainly a choice that we all make i'm not (laughs) sure it's the i'm not sure it's the wisest choice but that's what we do and you know that's part of the game man that's what makes it interesting and I'm sure the reaction online is going to be tempered and measured and, and you know, it's going to always be very Zen. Uh, I haven't checked yet, but I'm sure it is. And yeah, but uh, it's always good to do these with you, man. And we appreciate you jumping on board. Yeah. I think uh, just to spoil it all, I think Chris and I are switching places this week as I have a Sunday challenge in, in itself, but that is the beauty of having multiple hosts on the podcast network. And as you alluded to, the Braves have now lost three games in a row. The horror of that. The seven series winning streak is now officially over, even as of Wednesday, as we're recording this podcast, because they cannot win the series, even if they won on Thursday against the Cardinals. I guess Scott and I might have jinxed it by talking about how bad the Cardinals are this year, because they are, but um, that Cardinal double magic still exists, apparently. And we'll be talking about those games that have happened so far this week in a second. But I feel like we have to start with the what I think, at least in my anecdotal evidence, is the biggest talking point so far this week, at least in the last couple of days. It's the off day, and that is the the roster moves on the pitching side. Um, that is Mike Soroka, Michael Soroka, I should say, and Colin McHugh um, going on the IL um, in, in exchange for Vines and Heller coming back. And Soroka, of course, is the the headliner there. So um, it seems like it's probably a relatively serious injury at this point in time. You know, Snick gave some pretty ominous quotes about um, about Soroka. And like, you know, he's, it's, it's forearm inflammation. Um, he had some numbness in his fingers. Snit used the quote. Uh, I believe it's, it was probably a big deal, at least as of last night. And then he went on the IL today. Um, of course that came, came after his first big league start since July 21st. So it was already a rough one. He did not look particularly good, at least to my eye. And the numbers were back kind of backing that up. But um, where are you at with, with this thing right now? Cause I think it's probably safe to assume he's done for the season at the major league level. And then you get into, I don't know if you want to go all the way down this rabbit hole about like, you know, 
him him being non-tender potentially and his future. And it, it's all pretty sad. Like everybody's rooting for Michael. We all kind of know that and acknowledge it all the time. But uh, a brutal kind of 24-hour stretch for Soroka from the way he pitched to the injury and so on. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for bad luck, you know, Michael Soroka would have no luck at all. He just cannot catch a break to save his life, man. It's just brutal what this kid has gone through for the last, you know, three years or so. And, yeah, I mean, when, you know, Snick gave that interview right after the game and he immediately said he's going on the IL. You know, he didn't do the whole, well, we're going to do testing and see what it's like. You know, he he pretty much immediately said, no, he's he's going on the IL and it it, it, it doesn't look great. And, you know, when a manager says that right after the game, then, you know, it's it's not looking good. And hopefully, you know, maybe it's not that maybe he'll catch a break here and it's not something as serious. But, you know, when you start getting into numbness of your fingers and, you know, he went on the IL with elbow inflammation and just, you know, those are words you just don't want to hear. And uh, there's all sorts of kind of major surgeries that are, that are associated with those things. And we're not going to get into all the medical stuff, but you know, the, the long and short of it is, it's just not good. It's not good for, for Soroka. He's like you said, almost certainly done for this year. Um, You know, he's in a very unique situation because he's been hurt for so long, but he's been on the major league IL obviously because he got hurt in the majors. So he's been accruing service time this, this whole time he's been out is that he is out of options next year. And, you know, there was a lot of talk about his service time, about whether the Braves were, you know, manipulating his service time. I never bought that argument. It just he's, you know, uh, it's not the type of player that you do that with. Typically, you know, uh, the Acuna types are they're usually the types that have stuff like that done. Um, you know, uh, 25, 26 year old pitchers that have already had a couple of major injuries aren't typically the candidate for that. And um, but yeah. So where he's at now is in a tough spot because he he doesn't have any options for next year, which means he's either got to be on the major league roster or he's got to be, you know, he's got to be released and put through waivers. And and now it looks like he's going to be hurt depending on what the the news is. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but depend, you know, if you read the tea leaves, it's not looking great. So it's just rough. I mean, it's just brutal. Quite honestly, it's, it's kind of the worst case scenario for him coming into this year. He hasn't looked great when he's pitched. He doesn't have the same movement. Um, that he used to have he does certainly doesn't have same the same command he's he's had to make quite a few mechanical changes because of the achilles injuries he's talked about that at length to try to you know be a little bit more strong in his base but it's affected his his repertoire and it's affected his command and and we've seen both of those this year so it's just a tough spot for him and i, I wish him all the best but yeah you know just from a kind of a cynical point of view i i don't know that we're going to see michael soroka pitch in a braves uniform again yeah, it's it's very possible. I mean, I, there was already kind of a, um, I don't want to say it was a wake, but there was a lot, a lot of talk about like this is last night as far as like is this going to be it? And it very well, it very well could be. No one is rooting for that. We all want him to be healthy and good and out there and all that stuff. And it's not a guarantee or anything like that. But yeah, it's 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 really bad timing. I mean, we've all kind of explored that. But the fact that like you laid out, there's not there there are not really options there. He's been at least on the bright side for him he's been making major league money the last couple of years to not pitch that's good uh, as far as like long-term security is concerned he's been making you know two, two three million dollars a year the last couple of years which is helpful but uh yeah i you know i have nothing really to add like he just hasn't been the same guy on on the mound and then you throw in all the injuries and i'm with you about the service time manipulation stuff i never bought that either and um look i mean i i think people were just maybe talking about him like he was his old self as like people thought that the Braves were like conspiring to not pitch him 
Like it was that they were, I think the Braves knew that he wasn't as good as their other options. And that's, that's not exactly a ringing endorsement because they've had that revolving door at the fifth starter spot this year, but um, it was performance related. And that is um, sort of the cruel reality here is that they, they liked other guys better at different times. And now it's, now it's Darius Vines and whatever else, but um, yeah, I don't have much to add, Stephen. It's, it's kind of a sad topic in a lot of ways. But uh, hopefully there's hopefully the injury news is not as bad as it sounds. I mean, there's still as a, a late Wednesday night. We don't know any differently. So maybe it's just uh, something smaller. I still think it would be an absolute shock if he came back this year based on the fact he's going on the aisle in early September. But if it's like an injury that's not going to influence his whole his whole winter, that would be nice. And he can kind of have that, you know, full on uh, winter of pitching and preparing to get ready for next spring that's the best case scenario at this point and uh, we'll cross our fingers for that i guess yeah and that's the tricky thing is like even if he's healthy like even if the news comes out tomorrow that he's you know it's not as serious as we thought it was something's you know minor he could be back like he hasn't pitched well enough to be on the team like that's the like he he, he doesn't need to be making major league start he's not i mean i hate to be blunt about it but like he's not a major league pitcher right now like he doesn't have the command his stuff has never been like major. He's never been a huge stuff guy anyways. He's always kind of been like 92, 93. He gets by on, on command. He gets by on movement and, you know, he doesn't have either of those things right now. And it's just a lot of like 93 monitor fastballs right down the middle. I get hit into, you know, into orbit. And, and so that's where it's tricky. Like, even if he's healthy, like, I don't, I don't, I don't really think he should be on the team. And, and so, yeah, it's just it's a tough spot to be in. And it's because he's been accruing service time this whole time. You know, he just he's out of time in terms of being able to st- stash him at Gwinnett. I saw talk that maybe they release him and then sign him back to a minor league deal, um, which is probably a decent option because that way you could just keep him in the minors and let him build himself back up without the pressure of. Yeah, of, I know, mean, I saw that, too, but like, you know, he could sign somewhere else. Like, yeah, unless, yeah, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, I don't think. But I, I'm just saying um, I think that's people talking through a, a Braves only prism, if that makes sense and not thinking yeah. about the actual wider. And look, I think people are gonna be mad that you just, that you just said what you said. Um, certain people will be mad about that and I get it, but you're, you're not wrong. And I mean, again, that's why one of the reasons why I'm couching it with, we are all rooting for Michael Soroka. We all have been the entire time, but it's not like, you know, they've given him a lot of different, options the Braves you know I saw some stuff about like if the Braves were to DFA him it would be like it's not disrespectful like it's just it's just kind of what it is they've they've tried and you know done what they can do in fact uh as we're recording this podcast did you you might have seen it too um Mark Bowman just tweeted that Michael Soroka is done for the season um they're shutting him down apparently though the test did not show anything more than forearm inflammation per, per Toscano and Bowman so that is a positive sign Okay. So. Again, we're in real time, literally right now, 10.30 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Um, so he sh- they're shutting him down for the season, which is, again, not just do the math on the timing. They had to kind of do that. But it seems like, knock on wood again, late night Wednesday, that it's maybe the best case scenario. So that's good. Okay. So, that yeah, I mean, there you go. So that's what we were just talking about, about, you know, maybe he gets kind of fortunate. Yeah. I mean, the, the kid is due some good luck at some point. I mean, it it not- would be nice. Uh, but, no, um, to bring it back to what we were talking about a second ago, um, I mean, on one hand, because he hasn't been pitching and he wasn't um, pitching well this year, his his tender, like they can reasonably think that it wouldn't be a ton of money. But the limitation there is that, you know, like you said, he's, he doesn't have options and uh, I don't know how they're going to deal with that. So maybe maybe they come to a mutual agreement. That's something that could happen, too. 
where the two sides go, you know, all right, Michael, we're going to, you know, we want to keep you around. We want to give you every chance, but we're not going to, we, we can't really do it by tendering you, you know, and paying you whatever, whatever the number is or whatever after he's been uh, the last couple of years. So we'll talk about that more later on in the winter if we need to. But um, I guess on the, on the final bright spot here, again, all the beat guys got, I think probably the same text or the same announcement because they're all tweeted some versions of the exact same thing. Form inflammation, nothing else, no surgery, no ligament damage, but he shut down for the season. So there you go. Yeah. At some point it it just becomes the same, it come it becomes the same calculus that you do with every other player. Like you have to be at a certain level of effectiveness to to not only be worth your contract, that's one level, but to be worth your roster spot, like to be worth your 40 man spot. Yeah. Because those are highly, highly valuable, obviously. And so, like, you know, this year is one thing because it's his first year back. But as we get into next year, assuming he's healthy, assuming all this is correct, that he's gonna still be able to pitch, like he's got to get to a certain level of effectiveness just as just to keep those spots. And you know, the the pitching we've seen this year is not that level. Like he needs to go to another level, especially with no options because he can't be sent to Gwinnett. So, you know, that's well, and, the, and the timing. I mean, the thing is now that 2023 is over for him, let's just fast forward. Like you're talking about March or April, 2024, that will be, you know, four plus years since he was a quality major league pitcher. Like yeah. that's a, that's a long time. And I know he's young, the bright spot is that he's he, he's still 26 years old. Like he's still very young. He came up very young. So on the age side, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't write a guy off at that point in time. But it will have been a long time. And you know, we talked about it briefly last winter. I, I, know, I know you guys did too. Like I didn't think it was like an absolute lock that they were going to tender him this last year. Yeah. And then you know, a year later, the evidence that we do have is not exactly positive evidence. And look, I, again, we want to see him succeed. And I think the organization from everything I've ever heard and what has been said publicly, like they are rooting for the guy a lot and giving him a, a lot of leeway, but you know, at a, as it's, it's still professional sports and it's still just the way it goes. So um, there might be some more nuts and bolts decisions to make, but hopefully not. Hopefully it's, they see what they want to see in the winter and um, they make that decision and all that stuff. But uh looks like we've seen the last of Michael for this season at the very least. Yeah. And I think it's a, I'm pulling this number out of my, just out of nowhere because I, I didn't look it up. I think it's like a two or three million dollar tender for him. I, I want to say that's what it was in the offseason. So yeah, he he made he's making two point eight million this year. Yeah, yeah. So and because he's not pitching or not pitching, you know, anything significant. I, you know, normally in arbitration, your salary goes up every year, but that's based right. On and that's that's why I said that. Like I, the fact that he, I don't think it's going to be a lot of money, and that's that probably yeah. helps the decision if you want to if you are the Braves and you want to. Um, you know, I'm not even sure how to phrase it. Like, if you want to just kind of give him every opportunity, it's easier to do that at three million than it would be at seven. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. three million is like a backup, is like you know your 26 man number in a lot of ways. So you can you can realistically pay him that with low expectations. Um, maybe it's a non guarantee or whatever it's going to be, and you can bring him to spring. And then you know, at the very, I do think though, at the very least, he'll have to pitch well in spring. Like he's not going to be gifted a roster spot or a, or a rotation spot. Like that, that's we're past that at this point. Yeah, and he doesn't have options. So right. like, that, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like it's going to yeah. have to be like there'll be there'll be some decisions made in the spring, no matter what. But yeah, we we, we can save it. We can save it for later, Stephen. It was kind of a it, I, we had to, we had to leave with it because it's like the biggest story that happened, and literally got news as we were talking about it. But uh, yeah, and maybe we'll do a 2024 rotation preview. By the way, there was a piece on the site this week, which I know we should I guess we should promote. 
looking at the rotation for next year. We won't go over that whole thing now, but uh, uh, that's already a discussion point. Like the fun never stops, even though they're in the World Series contender, maybe even favorite right now. Uh, some some early looks at what's going to look like next year. There 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 are some fascinating questions about the yeah. like we were having this whole discussion Orton. in our Slack our <laughs> Slack group this afternoon. Like it's we're not ready to talk about it yet because obviously there's still a season in front and and even some of this stuff is is more like 2025. But there are some really interesting questions coming up that are going to be fun to talk about as they as they arrive. Yeah, between. Uh you know, obviously Sorokin now and Morton at his age and uh, Kyle Wright, where he is at this point in time. And the other Max guys, Freed, yeah, like, Max yeah. Freed's free agency. Like there's all kinds there's of, there's a uh, lot, there's a lot um, coming. Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving on to the, to the second part of the uh, transaction cycle that happened on uh, Tuesday into Wednesday, uh, Colin McHugh to the IL with shoulder inflammation. Um, he got torched in his third inning of work on Tuesday and had, Back-to-back really bad outings. He's allowed eight runs in the last two outings. Uh, kind of hilariously, before that, he had a sub-3 ERA in like a very large sample size. It was kind of funny. Um, and even then, I don't know if you noticed this, Stephen, uh, people have talked about Colin McHugh like he's the worst pitcher that's ever lived. And his numbers, even after these two starts, sorry, these two appearances that were ob- objectively awful, they're still not that bad. Like, they're not good numbers. But like the way he's discussed, you would think that he has, he has like a, a seven ERA and he does it, but he might be done too. We don't know that for sure, but um, that might be a M and error thing too, because of, you know, McHugh's age and the way he's pitched this year, um, he had been quite good before this, but uh, it's been a rough little patch and now he's hurt. Yeah, it was kind of, it was uh, kind of appropriate that, you know, it's very, there's a very good chance he's thrown his last pitch for the Braves. I mean, he's a pending free agent. You know, over one year for a reliever, I don't really care about the the ERA and the, even the FIP over one year. But more concerning for him is some of the peripherals, the strikeouts and the walks and stuff like that have have really tanked this year. A lot of his underlying stuff is is a lot worse than it usually is. And you know, at yep. his age, it's not the most shocking thing in the world. He's never been, you know, I mean, he throws eighty eight miles an hour, so you've always kind of wondered how he got away with it to begin with, but. Yeah, I could see a scenario where you know he's kind of throwing his last pitch for the Braves. I mean, they have so many bullpen options. Um, it's not even on our rundown, but guys like Nick Anderson and Jesse Chavez, at least theoretically, are going to be back at some point. They've got quite a few guys out there already. So, you know, I don't know. I saw some stuff online about you know he he got kind of the phantom uh, injury uh, vacation. I don't know if that's true or not. You know, he might actually be hurt. You never know with these things. I'm sure. At some, you know, to some level, guys would much rather go on the IL than get released, you know, oh, yeah. which I, I don't think that's the level they're at yet. Like you said, he's not, he hasn't been that bad. Um, but well, and I actually wanted to, wanted to ask you this and I'll, I'll, before I forget to do it. It's one of those things where and I'm not saying he's been great because he hasn't, but I feel like there's more attention paid to someone like Colin McHugh and the way he's pitched on a team that is. Uh, as we'll discuss 13 and a half games up and like there isn't a whole lot to nitpick with this roster and like for most teams even most good teams Colin McHugh as your sixth or seventh reliever is like a perfectly even this year's Colin McHugh is like a perfectly normal guy um, that you would have it's just that this team has so many good relievers again knock on wood and that he has been a more high profile guy and also the way he pitches like he's kind of susceptible to looking bad when he doesn't have it Um, I feel like that that combination of things puts a lot more attention on it that it's probably worth. Like it's like, he's like the seventh reliever. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And like you said, when you throw 88, like 
and you have some bad stretches, you don't get the same benefit of the doubt that you do if you threw 98. Like you just, yep. it's, it's easier to pick on that guy. And, you know, I, I, I don't have any, you know, Colin, I think Colin makes like 5 million. I think he signed a two year, $10 million deal. So it's pretty, yeah, it's, it's pretty dirt cheap. And he's old. Uh, I mean, he's, he's 30, he's 36. And one thing I, I know you said he was a free agent. He, they have a club option on him. Um, but it's only a $1 million buyout. So like, that's effectively. Yeah. Afraid. Like they're not going to keep him over, over $1 million if they want to move on, if that makes sense. So um, I don't know if they will. It's a one, it's a club option for 10 for, sorry, for 6 million with that, with that $1 million option. So it's, it's a $5 million decision. Um, if I had to guess right now, they probably wouldn't keep him on that based on the way he pitched this year in his age. But um, you know, that's not, it's, it's great. I have to train myself too about like this, this Braves reality of the last couple of couple of years where like they're a little bit more free spending than they used to be <laughs> so yeah. like that five million dollars may not be as big of a deal as it used to be is what i would say and you know to your earlier point when you're you know when you're on pace to win 105 games every fan you know especially because of specifically because of how random baseball is at the end of the year you know the the last tournament of the year in baseball is so random that you know, every fan spends six months picking at every tiny little hole, every tiny little weakness, even perceived weaknesses. Like it's just human nature. And, you know, when, when you're the kind of the lack close to the last man on the bullpen, um, you know, he probably is the last man on the bullpen at this point, you know, it's, you're an easy target and I get it. I'm, I'm not, I, I haven't loved the way he's pitched all year. I, I, I no. think, I think he's definitely dropped a level, you know, it's still major league level pitching, it's just not quite as good as, you know, he was all like, people don't really remember or maybe they do remember, just don't care, but he was really, really good last year. And I mean, he was a bargain at $5 million last year. And so he's just not that guy. And that's, you know, that sucks for him, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Cause I don't know if this was a real injury or if not, but you know, there's only three weeks to go in the season. So when you're out for 15 days, I, I don't even know if he has time to, you know, get some, get some appearances in before the playoffs, depending on when he comes back. So he might be done. We, you know, we might not see him again. If that's the case, and it was, a, it was still a good sign. I mean, even the one year they got a, a really awesome baseball was, was, you know, worth the 10 million and they got, they got some decent innings. I mean, he's had some big outings where he saved. And that's the thing about his role is it's not about getting guys out at high leverage. It's about saving the rest of the bullpen in games where your starter gets knocked out at, you know, in four innings like yesterday. So um yeah, he did his job, and if if we have if we have seen the last of him, then you know he he was a perfectly good you know perfectly fine major league signing when they did it for sure. And to back you up before we move on, uh, last year he threw almost seventy innings with a two point six ERA, a sub one WHIP, like you know didn't walk anybody ever, struck out nine point seven per nine. Like he was quite good. He was like un- unbelievably good. Like he I, under the radar good last year. Agreed. So. Uh, a nice bargain there. And I, I agree with all of what you said. Yeah. And we'll see what the updates are on Anderson and Chavez. Nothing really happening there. No rehab assignments. Dylan Lee got banged around a little bit today. He looked fine before that, but uh, I guess the pitching has kind of let them down quite a bit in the uh, last couple of days. Um, I guess we should talk about that. The last the two games that have happened since I did the podcast with Scott on Sunday. Um, so the combined score was 21 to 12 in the first two losses against the Cardinals. The Braves have not allowed uh back-to-back 10 run games in a while. I didn't look it up, but it's, I'm sure it's been a little while since they've allowed that many runs in two games against a, against an offense with the Cardinals that has not been lighting the world on fire. Um, I guess 
we should start with yesterday. I mean, we talked about it a little bit because a lot of it was Soroka and McHugh. So we talked about all of that, but like anything else that jumped out to you about Tuesday's game, the offense didn't really do anything until the game was kind of over. I think Scott tweeted out, but they still hit four homers. Yeah, <laughs> they, they got it they was got three. Blown. It was it was all solo shots though, and they were all kind of like weird. Uh, yeah, and you know this team can still mash, but yeah, you know, and this this applies to today's game as well. You know, every team has a thing about them that is, you know, the the I'm not going to say a weakness because a team that's going to win 105 games really doesn't have a weakness, but the weaker side of the team. And for the Braves, run prevention is the weaker side of the coin versus, you know, scoring runs. Obviously, they're elite at that. And when the Braves go poorly, when they have a bad stretch of games, it's usually run prevention. And I say run prevention because that encapsulates both defense and pitching. And usually starting pitching is the main culprit for the Braves. And, you know, we've seen that a couple of times in the second half where they go through these little stretches. You know, they don't get great starts is usually where is is usually kind of the main reason they lose. But, you know, defensively, they have these games where they don't play great. They give up some runs they probably shouldn't. And so that's, you know, if you had to say what's the most inconsistent part of this team, again, being zoomed out and, and keeping in mind, they're going to win probably 100 plus games. Run prevention is where they you know, probably are the most inconsistent and that's, you know, they're just in a stretch right now where they're struggling. I mean, even in the two games they've scored, you know, they scored six runs in both games. Um, Oftentimes that's enough to win a game, but not when you give up 21 runs in two days. So yeah, that's just their thing is, is run preventions, you know, when they're going poorly, you know, some of that is Soroka started, he's not really going to start any more meaningful games, obviously. So, you know, Strider had a an unusual game. You know, there's probably a whole conversation to be had about Strider and kind of the weird year that he's had. Yeah. We're not going to do that tonight. But, um, but yeah, they just, when they go bad, it's usually run prevention is, is the culprit. And that's that's been the case for the last couple of games. Yeah. So talking a little bit more about tonight's game, uh, again, Wednesday as we're recording this, um, they got down six nothing in a hurry based on Strider. So, um, it was the, he, he tied the shortest outing of his career through two two and two thirds. He lost six runs. He just didn't quite have it. And you know, if you watch the game, like there was a little bit of unluckiness, I think. And Strider's had some some luck issues this year in general. Um, when you when you look at the numbers, and I do buy that. I don't think it's like entirely explained by that, but I think he has been unlucky as, as a general rule this season. Um, one thing I do want to ask you, though, while we're here, kind of big picture, um, I got thrown around and I agree with it today on Twitter as well. I think Strider Cy Young hopes kind of died tonight. And I don't want to I don't want to overstate that too much, but he was already an underdog in the betting markets and all that stuff. And the big drawback and this look, there's a whole discussion to be had about ERA, but um, for better or worse, Cy Young voters are going to look at the ERA column um, pretty heavily. And uh, his ERA is now up to three point eight three. Um, his peripherals are still incredible and the best in the league, but I don't think that he has a realistic path short of like being untouchable in his last three or four starts to winning Cy Young, which is unfortunate. I think at one point he was either the favorite or, the, or sort of the co-favorite. Yeah. And this is why I really try to stay out of award voting conversations, especially <laughs> like daily conversation, because so much of it is like how who's going to win. Who you know? Who's going to have the traditional numbers to win all of the sixty-plus-year-old voters, right? Like that's and the narrative. Don't forget about the narrative too. Yeah, you gotta, and the you gotta narrative. Have bo- you got to have both. Yeah, like it's not actually about who's the best player. A lot of times, it's about you know who's got the numbers in the right category to get enough subset of the voters to vote for them to win the award. And you know, I I do think Strider's had a, an unlucky year. It seems like he's got pretty much one bad inning every 
not every start, but you know, his bad starts. Every, every, every couple of starts for sure. Yeah. Every couple of starts, every two or three starts, he he has a bad inning that inflates his numbers and, you know, he'll dominate for five innings and he'll give up four runs in the sixth. And, you know, I think a couple of times Snit has burned him by letting him stay out there a little bit too long. But I think at this point it's unlikely, you know, if he goes out and, and has four straight starts at the end of the year, you know, and he goes in eight innings and strikes out 14 guys in yeah. the next four starts and the other guys maybe struggle, then yeah, I could still see him winning it. But I mean, he, you know, he has had an inconsistent year. I think it's a fair, it's a fair argument that he hasn't, it's, it's a down year for NL Cy Young. I think that's fair to say. Um, so it's the, probably the, one of the easier years to win it, but yeah, he's been inconsistent and I, you know, there's a couple of guys, I think, is that gallon is one um is it steel steel with the cubs i think yeah so right right now it's kind of funny and um this kind of goes exactly to the point you made about um what people are putting on the current favorite and i, I blew somebody's mind i can't remember i think it maybe it was dylan short somebody on twitter the uh yesterday uh i was and he was like he was listing candidates and he got like four or five in and didn't name blake snell and blake snell is the current betting favorite to win the national league Cy young award um and it's the reason why is because uh, he leads the league in ERA at two point five. Yeah, see, that's um, what that stuff drives me crazy. I and he is, I mean, he has a lot of strikeouts. That's that's worth noting. But um, I think objectively, Strider is a better pitcher. But his ERA um, is more than a run different. That's yes. Yeah, so it's Steele and Snell. This is one of the funny things about it. Uh, just to kind of lay out the ERA case. Um, currently, if if you include Freed, who who is not qualified, but you know, he, he, we kind of know what he is. Uh, Strider would be fourth on his own team in starter ERA. He has a worse ERA than Morton and Elder and Freed. <laughs> and like, there's no way, just objectively speaking, there's no way that he's going to win the Cy Young with the fourth best ERA on his team. It's just not yeah. going to happen. Well, I think Zach Wheeler is probably, I think he's in a similar boat where like he's he had an, he's an yeah. unbelievable FIP. No, he, he, a- he, I think he's probably, honestly, he'd be the guy that I would vote for. I think yeah, right now, and yeah. he's gonna and he's same thing. He he and Strider are currently, and again, this is just the betting odds, but they're like third and fourth or fourth and fifth in the betting odds right now because they don't have ERA, and it's just it's funny, but that's that's the way it is. Yeah, and you know, batting average and ERA are, are two crusades that I've been on for <laughs> like five years now, and batting average, I feel like we've won a lot of like I think we've taken quite a bit of ground in that race. I, yeah, I I I agree. And look, before we get yelled at. Um, I, I, I do think ERA matters more than batting average does. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I know where you're going with this though. I, and I, I tend to agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, batting average is, is one of the most useless tests there is. And ERA has some <laughs> functionality that you can use. And I still use ERA. I think that it does yeah. have, but it just has so much noise, you know, it's, it's, yes. it's, it's a fielding, it's, it's a pitching and defense stat. And I, that's what I'm trying to get across to people that it, it it's a lot, it's a lot about how good your defense is behind you. A lot of times it's about how, you know, how generous the official score is. And, and we've seen this year, the official scores have been ultra generous. Um, so, you know, but anyway, I'm, we're not, I'm not going to get on a whole soapbox about ERA, but I, 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 I kind of wanted you to, but look, before we, before, <laughs> we move, before, before we move on, I have to say, while we're talking ERA, just as a casual reminder for everyone who listens to the Sunday show, Charlie Morton is currently fifth in the national league in ERA. I'm just, I'm, suddenly ERA is good again, Stephen. ERA is good. Again, we all trust ERA evenly. Charlie Morton, top five in ERA in the national league. He's he 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 should get Cy Young votes at you know. Like I mean, he, it's it's so he, funny. He get, like he will get down vote. Yeah. He will get down votes. He will get like down ballot votes. I guarantee. And by the way, 
uh, even as the the noted Charlie Morton stand, uh, he should not get Cy Young votes. No, he shouldn't, but he, he should, will. He should not. Uh, but ERA is ERA is king. Um, but anyway, that's that's what happened today. Strider blew up. They did have some signs of life at one point. I don't know about you. Like I thought they were going to win the game at one point. Like if you ask me, I think I'm looking at the uh, at the box score right now. There was like one moment later in the game where I'm like, I think they're going to win this game, and it was basically right until the three run homer um that blew it open it was eight it was eight six in the eighth and i'm like they might win this thing and then they, they didn't win Steven. yeah they, they didn't it's win. it's tough like those add-on runs are very rarely are the braves knocked out of a game in like the second inning but if you hit a three-run homer in the eighth inning to make it a six-run game or something you know that'll that that usually does it. like even as good an offense as the braves have you know if you go up six runs in the second inning this braves team will chase you down in a heartbeat but if you go up six runs in the eighth inning it's that's quite a bit different but and and yeah. the cardinals the cardinals do not have a good like obviously they're one of the worst teams in baseball they don't have a, a lot of you know a lot most parts of their team are not good but they do not have a good bullpen some of their best guys were down so yeah if the braves could have put up zeros yeah they absolutely could have won this game yeah, and uh, I, I remember now the point I wanted to make. Um, the one time that the Braves, honestly, I, I should have looked at betting market. They might have been favored when Ronnie stepped to the plate down two in the sixth with uh, with with uh, you know busyness on on the base pass and only one out, and then he hit yeah. a double play, and that was that was the single biggest. I guess maybe until the three on homer, that was the single biggest moment of the night. Was when they were they had all momentum. They're down two, and momentum is obviously. A fictional thing in a lot of ways, but uh, down two with the MVP favorite at the plate, and he has a double play to kind of end the threat. And that was maybe that's when they lost the game, actually. But you know, yeah, and he's you know, he had that huge series in those first three games in LA, and then he's I think he's like over his last like 12 or 14 or something. Like that. I think he's hit a kind of a you know, for a normal player, that's nothing, but for Ronnie, that's a huge that's a huge slump for Ronnie to go like three games without a hit. So, um, you know, Full that MV, that MVP race will will be fascinating coming down the stretch. I, I don't want to, again, like Cy Young, I don't really want to get into the weeds on the MVP race either. But yeah, him and Mookie will have a, a a fun race coming down the stretch. But yeah, you know, when you give up 21 runs in two games, it's tough to, I don't care how good your offense is, it's tough to win. Oh, I, for, I forgot until you said that. Ronnie actually got a hit in the ninth tonight. Oh, did he? Yeah, okay. he led. He led. He led the ninth off with a single, so he broke out of the uh, the, the zeros. But it was just a single, and then he actually uh, got uh, doubled. He got doubled off right away by Ozzy to kind of um, end any excitement. That's kind of why I forgot about. It. I'm looking at the Moscow right now, where I, where I would have forgotten. So he got a hit. Don't worry about okay. it. He's coming back. Anyway, that's what's happened between now and Sunday. Like I said before, the series winning streak is over. They're still up 13 and a half on the Phillies, and they're up six on the Dodgers. The Dodgers lost tonight. The Phillies won. Uh, I've still steadfastly refused to uh, announce the division race as over. But uh, you, you actually uh, messaged me uh, a, a set of stats. Do you still have that uh, if the Phillies do whatever? They're oh, yeah. So this is <laughs> again, this is how magic numbers work. So I get that. So I don't need people tweeting at me like, yeah, we, idiot, we that's, get it. That's, that's what a magic it. number is. So I get that. But it's still funny to me that. So obviously the Braves magic number is 11, but they have 23 four games left, which means that they could go 11 and what? 11 and 11 and 13, 13 over the next 24 games. And even if Philadelphia went 23 and 0 in their last 23 games, the Phillies could not win the division. So the Phillies could get, the Phillies could literally be perfect from now to the end of the year. And if the Braves just went 11 and 13 in their last 24 games, which is not a good stretch of baseball would be one of their worst stretches of baseball of the season. 
they would still win the division. That like that's how like we're not saying the division's over. Like nope. we're as close as we're as close as we've ever been to saying the division's over because it's effectively over. But yes, that's that is like that's the math we're dealing with right now. Where the Braves, I mean, the we're beyond like the Phillies needing a miracle. Like we're in we're in different universe type you know type of stuff now. So, uh, but yeah, it is funny how big of a lead they have. Um, but all I all I hear about is how the Phillies are charging. Like I keep every time I I log on Twitter, the Phillies are coming. They're charging. I, I really I I cannot. I'll never be able to forget. I think because of Chris, um, our Phillies leader Chris Willis. Um, I'll, I'll never be able to stop thinking about the Phillies charging because uh, that's been a running joke. I know in Slack and other places, and they're coming. Uh, they are coming for the Braves. No, uh, so, you know we we've covered it, but they're they're in they're in good shape. Obviously, it would be better if they don't lose every night that like, like they have last three, but um couple of favorable matchups the rest of this week. Cardinals again on Thursday and then three against the Pirates, who they're also quite a bit better than you would imagine. They will not continue to lose every game this week. So we'll see. It would it would it would be surprising if they lost every game. I would say it would be surprising. It would it would still be baseball. Baseball's weird, as we yep. keep saying. In fact, I think Scott and I kind of uh, indirectly called it on Sunday, like just noting the fact that they could lose one of these series because it's baseball and then they went out and lost the next two games against the Cardinals. So um moving on from there a couple of things before we get out of here uh you brought this up um there's been a lot of talk about Hurston Waldrop uh and I think justifiably so as a first round pick who looks awesome um I kind of I think I sh- I'm not sure if it was on the podcast or off I kind of shrugged off this is like a month or two ago now that he could be a factor in the bullpen by October and now I kind of believe it <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> what are you, where are you at on the on that uh whole talking point because it's been uh gaining steam let's say well, the whole thing has always been, and this is position players and pitchers, that once you get to double A, like you're one phone call away. Like guys get called up from double A all the time. And, yes, they do. And the only guys that typically make the majors this quickly are college arms. Like you never see a high school or prep arm no. move up this quickly. It's only ever college arms and advanced college arms. And that's what Waldrop is. And it would only be out of the bullpen. They would never put them in the rotation this soon. But you know, if the Braves wanted another, you know, high velocity, potential high leverage reliever, and he looked, you know, let's say Waldrop goes out in the next couple of double A starts and just is lighting people up. I'm not saying it's going to happen because the Braves do have quite a bit of bullpen depth and they don't have a ton of, they don't have a ton of roster flexibility as is. So it's unlike, it's certainly unlikely, but the fact that it's even possible is noteworthy because again, the Braves have some very interesting rotation decisions coming up in the next couple of years. And this kid looks like he is, you know, baseball America just put him in the top 100. Like he's a legitimate, you know, he's a legitimate top prospect, which the Braves don't have a ton of these days. And so he's a guy to watch. Like I, every, I don't pay a lot of attention to the minors or really, I don't pay any attention to the minors, but when he pitches, like I check, I, I check to see how he did that night because it is, there is a non-zero chance that he, he has some, impact on the team this year. I, I don't think it will happen again because of how much depth they have, but he's put himself in position where if he lights up double A in the next few weeks, it's a conversation I think they at least have in the front office. And you know, we'll see what happens. But if nothing else, he set himself up for a really, you know, a, a chance to be a part of the story next year, you know, in the kind of the the shuttle back and forth between the majors and the minors. I could definitely see a scenario where he's part of that shuttle next year and and we probably get our first look at him. Yeah, and to your point, he had a good outing in his first double-A um, appearance. Struck out four or three innings uh, a few days ago. 
Um, and yeah, he's he's 21, so he's not he's a pretty young college guy, but he he is a college pitcher and pedigree's all there, stuff's all there. He struck out 29 in his first 18 professional innings. That's pretty good, um, no matter where you're pitching. And yeah, yeah, the bullpen uh, we we see it. Not always with the Braves, but there's all. I feel like there's almost always a player somewhere in the playoff structure every year. And maybe I'm just being anecdotal that is kind of following this path. Where like you know, there's it's a it's a guy who was just drafted three months ago. There's like four, one. It seems to be now. There's been some bad experiences, been some good experiences. I will say the name right now that I'm thinking of. That that name is Joey Devine. Um, sorry, everybody, but um. No, just I, ch- I just had a chill go down. My I know that was that was brutal. But no, I, honestly, looking again, we'll avoid doing the whole preview. But the 2024 rotation thing, like, it's not going to seem insane that he's like discussed in the spring next year as a rotation candidate. I don't think he's going to be in a rotation. If I had to guess right now in April of 24, but like, he's going to get that like if he blows us away treatment. I think in spring, and that's not that seems insane for a guy who was just drafted. And generally speaking, I like to keep my expectations quite low for prospects in general, especially guys who are not like on the Acuna level of like, everyone agrees on this guy, but you know, Waldrop is very talented and seems to be the kind of archetype that you would point to as a guy who could move quickly and be effective. Yeah. The famous, you know, the famous baseball saying is there's no such thing as a pitching prospect because you yeah. know, so, so sure. many of them fail. So well, many of them- infamously the Braves, uh, were supposed to be building the rebuild around their pitching, and that just didn't work at all. And they got bailed out because their hitting blew up. I mean, it's it's one of those things we, we don't talk about that much anymore. But I'm, I know you remember the days when the Braves were building the rebuild around pitching. Uh, that was that's something that was happening. Yeah, I mean, every wow. trade, every like every draft, it was all pitching, and you know, Max Free is basically Max Free right. and Kyle, Kyle Wright, or who came and, out of. And, all, and it's all so of funny because like right, we didn't write off, but he didn't exactly have a a breeze coming up. It was Free was the only one that kind of worked for a while, and yeah. then Wright had his breakout last year. But this is pre Strider, so I'm not before you everybody says anything. Like, he was not included in that because he wasn't even in the organization yet, and it just so happened that they had guys like Ronnie and. Riley and Ozzy come up that were not part of that original like plan. The Ian Anderson crew was the guy. He's the guy I always think of for, for better or worse as like that didn't really work out very well. Anyway. Yeah. Ian, like Tukey, Ian Anderson, yeah. Sean Newcomb. Like there's, I mean, Fulty. Fulty. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they're Blair. I I mean, we had so we had at one point we had like 15 pitching prospects that were all, you know, quote unquote, major league caliber pitching prospects. And, you know, for one reason or another, and that's what happened. I mean, that's not uncommon. It's not like the Braves had something weird happen to them. Like that happens to every, I mean, yep. if you, if you're building your hopes around pitching prospects, then you better have a million of them because that's how many it's going to take to get three good ones. And you know, that's, that's, that's major league pitching and that's prospects for you. But yeah, I, I, I hope Waldrop, you know, I don't really, I don't know if I want I would want the guy's first experience in the majors to be in the postseason. That just seems like a recipe for disaster. But you know, <laughs> if if he if he shows up and he's good and he's got stuff, stuff always plays. And you know, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, the Braves bullpen is good enough where it would it would surprise me, but it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I mean, to wrap it up, I guess you know, if they don't if they don't have guys like Anderson and Chavez ready. And now you take maybe McHugh out of the mix. Like it starts to get a little bit thinner. Yeah. Like they're not, I wouldn't say it's thin yet, but you know, all it takes is 
you know, him keep him looking like that. And um, I agree with you. I would like to see him pitch in the majors in September if they're going to do, if they're thinking about that. So that, yeah. that gives him a couple of weeks still to be part of it. And it, I agree with you. I think it's unlikely. It's not impossible, but it's not, I think it's sub 50%, but yeah, I, I, I would be a little bit terrifying to see him kind of jog in from the pen for his first ever major league appearance in a game that like really mattered in the playoffs. That would be a little bit scary. For anybody, that's not, not, not about Walter. That, that'd be I'd say that for literally anyone in their first outing ever. When when Strider made it to the majors in September, was that his draft year? Was he drafted that year, or was that uh, the year after? I need to you know what you know what I'm talking about. I do. I'm do- I'm going to double check. Strider was drafted in 2020, so he did not get up till the next year. Okay, that was the next year then. Yeah, yeah, it was not his first. Uh, yeah, he was drafted in 2020, so he was. It was he didn't come up till 21, so it was that was a year plus after. He was okay, drafted. okay. I, I I wasn't sure either until you said that, but yeah, he came up a little bit. Um, of course, he and of course he was a, he was a fourth rounder. He was not. Um, obviously, his stuff is. We all know how good his stuff is, but he was not seen as the level of Waldrop at the time, as far as draft prospects are concerned. Do you remember um, last year when they used Spencer Strider as like a low leverage reliever? Uh. I remember ranting about it on a regular basis and being. Correct. I was about to turn into a, like a, <laughs> a Batman villain, dude. If they kept if they kept running him out in the seventh inning of like seven to one games, I was gonna rob a banker's. Something like I was going crazy. Anytime you could treat us. Strider like he's, uh, I'm, I don't want to see him say a name. Oh, um, oh. Yeah, it didn't. Colin right. McHugh. Yeah, or worse, uh, more like talking before we knew before he knew we knew he was yeah. good. If that makes that sense. Was wild. Uh, anyway, but yeah, that's where we are on that. Um, Last thing before we get out of here, um, you know, we're in, we're past Labor Day. We're in September. The Braves have, like you said before, was it 24 more games in the season? We're in the dog days. I want to know what you're looking for. Like, what are you actually watching for? I mean, besides wins and losses, we all know that we're watching every game because we're sickos, but like big picture or maybe medium picture, what are you keeping an eye on in the next three and a half, four weeks? Because, you know, for the most part, we're hoping these games don't matter a ton. So it's like, what are your you know trends or what what are your eyes on? Yeah, it's all it's all it's all really starting pitching and defense for me because I think those are the areas where the Braves are most susceptible to get. You know, it we're to the point now where the entire season is going to come down to, you know, the NLDS and the NLCS essentially. Like even if the Braves. You know, if the Braves made the World Series and lost, like I don't think it would be considered a disastrous season. But like if the Braves got bounced in the first round again, then this would be a I think it would be fair to call the season a failure, even if that's not fair, because, you know, that's how baseball works. So um, a lot of the season is going to come down to how they play in the NLDS and how they play in the NLCS. And the things I think that can disrupt their success in those you know, five that one five game series and one seven game series is is pitching, and that's what happened last year. The pitching fell apart at the end. You know, Max got sick, uh, Spencer got hurt, and they just couldn't stop the Phillies from scoring in the NLDS last year. And they 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 lost like nine to two and seven to one and stuff like that. And and so the pitching and the defense are are and we've talked about this all year long. But those are the things that I want to see not get better. Because at their best, they're very, very good. I just want to see it be a little more consistent. And obviously, this two-game series or these two games against St. Louis is is not what we're looking for. But again, one of those games was Soroka, who's not going to pitch in the postseason. But yeah, like Strider, I want to see Strider be a little more consistent. Try to clean up that one bad inning. Uh, Morton's been incredible. Elders really bounced back. You know, Max has been. I would say Max has been maybe one step below what his 
his like his peak is like, and I, I want to see if he can maybe get there. Um, but yeah, pitching and defense are, are, I'm not worried about the offense at all. I don't care if they go through cold stretches. I don't care if they get, you know, a couple of games, where they score one or two runs. The offense is so good and so deep. I'm just not worried about it. And it's going to show up in some capacity in October, but in October, you always have to win like a three to one game or a four to two game. At some point, the pitching is just so good which means you have to be able to stop other teams from scoring. You've got to be able to to win that game by by preventing runs. And so that's where I'm at for September. Just the, get the starting pitching a little bit more consistent, get the defense more consistent. And you could still lose a series in October that's baseball, but yeah, <laughs> yeah those yes, are the things I, those are the things I want to see. Right. I mean, it's it's boring to say it's random, but it, it is on some level and last year is a good example. I mean, they just got pretty unlucky with the way the pitching broke down and that does happen in baseball. They got, you could argue they got very lucky the year before. Um, Yeah. You you need a little bit of that. And, you know, that's, we had this discussion. I think it was Scott and I, or whatever it was on, on, I think Fangraphs playoff odds are like extremely high on the Braves right now. Like they're in like the 25% world series range, which like no team is that high. Like, like you don't ever see a team that high in in a model like that in, in, in September. And people argue that I trust, like that's, that's too high. And I, I, I wouldn't argue with that because it is, it is, that is too high. I, yeah. And the thing is like, and you and I are very, very high. Like I, you know, I've said before, this is the best team in baseball. And I, I believe that, but it wouldn't, it kind of doesn't matter. Like with the current structure of baseball playoffs and the sport, how it is, I don't know that any team could be that high for me in September. It's just, that's part of the deal. But yeah, I'm with you on what you're looking for. Like, just get everybody to the finish line. Uh, I think we, I think this podcast is contractually obligated to bring up the fact that we, I think, all kind of want them to rest some guys more than they ever rest guys. Because, but it, it's worked. So I'm not saying it hasn't. I just um, my visceral reaction to every time I look at the, the the leaderboard and like see the you know every single guy at the top of the leaderboard in games played is kind of funny. But they have been to their credit sprinkling in some rest. Like Arcia took a day, took a day off. Um, Ozzy had a day off, whatever. Like they're, they're not like doing the full on, everybody has to play every game, but there's still guys at the top that are playing every single game. And I wonder if that's continued, but maybe it will. And maybe there's the the rest versus rust thing. We could probably um, rekindle that in a couple of weeks too, because I'm sure it's going to come. Well, yeah. And there's some cool records that are out there. Like you and I talk, like there's Matt Olson's chasing the franchise record for homers. He's he's, he's five short now. He's actually bombed in three straight games as as we're talking. Yeah. So he's got, he needs five to tie six to what what was it? What Andrew's at fifty one? Fifty one is the record. Uh, yeah. Matt Matt has forty six as of September sixth. Yeah, and then total wins. I think the ninety eight team holds the record for total wins at one hundred six. They're going to have to really stretch to get that. That's going to be tough to get. Yeah, uh-huh. the, these three losses were not great for that projection. They're still in the realm of getting there, but they're going to have to kind of get hot and not pedal off, which is the other thing. Like you, you kind of you don't have to assume a loss, but. The one, the one game of the year that I could probably guess they're not going to really play anybody in is is the last game of the year. Or maybe yeah. they'll have guys maybe, – maybe Ronnie will start to – if he plays every game the whole year, I think there's some guys that like that, but maybe he'll play two innings and that'll be it. So that that that's that's kind of a random game. And, um, you know, pitching-wise, I'm sure they won't be pushing guys super hard like to pitch, you know, deep into games that last week of the season too. So the wins record, I'm sure they want it, but it's not going to be a huge priority, I would imagine. Yeah. And then they're, I think they, I think after tonight, they're at like 265 homers or something like that in the record. 
The record is 307. So they're still, I think they're actually for the first time kind of dropped below the, the pace. pace. Yeah. yeah. But it's it'll be close. I mean, if they get hot again, you know, when they lose games like last night, they still hit a bunch of homers. So well, and, um, and they set, and they set the franchise record. We talked about what Scott on Sunday. They set the franchise record for home runs in August. Like it yeah. was literally, it was like August thirty. Like that's insane to set a franchise record like that for a cumulative full season before September is just like preposterous. I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. I, mean, I know obviously there are more home runs now than there have ever been in a lot of ways, but it's still just crazy. So the la- I think the last 20, 20 home runs they've hit have all set a new French, you know, like every home run they hit is yeah. sets a new French franchise. Every, every one from now on is going to be a, going to be a new one. And they have, you know, the, the preposterous lineup balance and, you know, clearly we should always say, I know that I don't think you are maybe the number one person on this, but uh, I think, if you were to pull Braves fans, other than just staying healthy and getting to the finish line, I think people are probably looking at Ronnie's MVP chase as like the number one storyline the next three weeks or so. That's also going to be a big thing that we'll talk about every day, which yeah. I understand. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't get into the. I like it, but it, it drives it drives me crazy. You, so you are not the audience for that for that comment. Yeah. I'm just saying I can already. I, I I guarantee you, if you pulled. The fan base that would be in the top, at least not if it wouldn't be number two or number one, it would be in the top five. Of oh, I'm, I'm, I guess it would be number one. Honestly. Yeah, this, with, with nothing really to play for, like the yeah. closest, the, the closest race they have is the Dodgers, and it's seven games, I think. And the even top. then, like I think you and I talked about this too, there is a faction of the fan base. And I'm not saying this is even wrong. I don't agree with it, but I, I always get it. That doesn't even care about the number the race for number, number one seed. There are people that don't yeah. even don't even want it. So let's look at it. Looks like it's going to be a matchup with the Phillies, which I'm sure a lot of Braves fans were hoping to avoid. So, like, there would probably be uh, there's probably a decent number of Braves fans that wouldn't mind being the two seed and not having to play the Phillies. But well, it could be the I mean, the Phillies are going to have to get by somebody in the uh, wild card round. That's not yeah, and that's the thing is that like, you know, this and this is I can't. We've said this like (laughs) we said this like four times tonight, but this could be a whole separate episode about like the playoff format and. You know, if if it happens again for a second straight year, where like the two best teams get knocked out in the division round because a, a wild card team got hot, I'm going to be very interested to see if there's a reaction. Like cause last year, the Dodgers won 111 games. There won't be out. a react. I mean, there will be a react. People like you and me will react. I hate. I've said it before. I hate hate the expanded playoffs. I hate the fact that the best team doesn't win in baseball yeah. and it gets harder and harder for the best team to win every year. But we've lost that battle. Pe- pe- people are going to react like you and I that hate it, but they just, they don't, they don't care, man. They just don't. <laughs> so, well, yeah, it's all, I mean, it's all money. They just want the money, of course, but like the best team not winning is one thing, but the best team's not even getting to like the CS. Yeah, is... that's true. That's true. It, it's it, let's just say as to take your example to the, to the fullest. And I know we're deep into the night here, but um, if neither the Braves nor the Dodgers were to make the NLCS, it would feel fraudulent i mean they're they're so they're so very obviously the two best teams in the national league this year the the gap is very very large in terms of performance and also just in terms of like roster quality like the gap is huge there so if they both lost in the lds it would just seem insane and that, and that by the way could very well happen because this it baseball. happened last it happened right. last year i mean they both they both teams won over 100 games last year and neither team made the, the cs so yeah i mean that the, the playoff format is just it, it drives me crazy, but um, I've said this before. I don't really care about the number one seed, but I would take, I mean, I'll take home field event. I don't really care about playing the Phillies. I think the Phillies are the best of the wildcard teams, but I don't think it's like a huge gap. So I, I think I'd probably rather have home field for the CS than avoid the Phillies, but I get fans who probably still have some PTSD from last year. I mean, I, that makes sense to me. 
Well, and also there's the added element of like if you happen to lose, it's to the Phillies, who everybody hates. That's a Braves fan. Yeah, then you got to deal with that for another, you know, full calendar year. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, we'll let's avoid that nightmare for a little while longer, and we should at least mention the Marlins have won six games in a row. They just won't die. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, well, Stephen, thank you for letting me uh, jump aboard the ship this evening in Chris's stead. Uh, Please take this opportunity at the end of the podcast to uh, plug anything you would like to. uh, First and foremost, the podcast network, of course. But uh, anything else you want to share, feel free. Yeah, come check out the site. Um, obviously we're coming down the home stretch, the, the playoffs, we haven't finalized exactly what we're doing in terms of coverage, but we'll have it covered wall to wall. Um, I know that. So if you don't know the site, you know, we have written content, we have, you know, we have previews, we have recaps, we have features, we have, obviously you have the podcast network that you're listening to now that's got three separate shows on it. So yeah, Chris runs a great site and we have a, we have a really, really good staff. We have a really good team of people that run it or, or contribute to it. So yeah, come check it out. I echo all of that. Take a second to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts and please tell a friend or two or three about the show. Uh, I know firsthand living here that there are lots and lots and lots of Braves fans in the world and they have not all found our podcast. So if you know people that have not listened to the pod, we take it. Uh, we definitely would ask you and we, we would appreciate it if you would share the podcast with them. Maybe they won't love it. That's fine. But have them give us a chance. That'd be cool as well as the site at batterypower.com. Thanks, Stephen, for doing this. Uh, stay tuned for everybody else for the rest of the week. We'll have some content, I'm sure, in the next couple of days. And uh, if nothing else, a podcast on a Sunday evening with Scott, and I believe it will be Chris in my stead. Uh, so anyway, that's enough for tonight. Stay tuned, and we'll see you all next time.